Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. Uh, It's a beautiful spring day. Are are you enjoying the spring weather? I am, too. I'm I'm so glad to see this back. I actually got out in the yard a little bit yesterday, and and it felt good to get out there and work in, in the yard and play in the dirt again, you know. It's, it's fun. So glad you're here today and uh, enjoying the spring weather and joining together in the name of the Lord to worship our God together. We welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us today, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. We've got a number of things uh, that are coming up like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. Uh, I'd like to ask if you would to fill that out so we could have a record of your attendance with us today. Uh, but we also have some things that are coming up uh, this week. We will be uh, uh, providing meals for the homeless on Tuesday at the King's Kitchen. And uh, Christine, do you want to make an announcement about, about that and tell us about that and whatever else on your list? Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we'll be serving at King's Kitchen Tuesday, and uh, if you saw the e-news or read it in the worship folder, we're still in need of some volunteers. Uh, I still need one more person to do potato salad and one more person to do baked beans if they could, and if anyone would be willing to purchase uh, around 40 hamburger buns and bring pickle and onions. Those are the three needs. Do we need anybody else to serve? And we need two more people to serve that day. Uh, so if you can help, see Jeek or myself, and we'll put you on the list. And then if you notice in the bulletin, uh, next Saturday, March 28th, is our sewing day here at the church. Uh, if you don't know for sure what that is, basically we're going to be sewing little dresses that are going to be sent to some orphanages. And uh, we have in the bulletin that's going to be from 9 to 5. But if you can come from 9 to 11, if you want to come from 3 to 5, you can come any amount of time. You don't have to be here the whole day if you can't be. Now, there is a sign-up sheet. Is it over here? Sign-up sheet on the table over here. We do need you to sign up. We are going to be providing lunch, so we need to know how many for lunch. If you can't sew, you can come and help cut out the patterns. You can help press the little dresses after they're sewn. You know, there's lots of different areas that you can help in. I don't sew. I can't even sew a button on, but uh, but I can cut, I think. <laughs> yes. Okay. There's also a list over there whenever you come, if you can bring any of the sewing supplies that are on the list. If you could bring those, that would be helpful, like thread and the scissors and things like that to help out. Uh, One reason also that we need a number of those who plan to sew is so we make sure we have enough sewing machines here. If you want to sew and you don't have a sewing machine, we're going to try to get enough sewing machines here to accommodate everybody that, that wants to help sew. And then also today, it didn't make it in the bulletin, uh, but we're going to have a shut-in team meeting at 4 o'clock. And what the shut-in ministry does is we go and we make sure that all of our shut-ins get at least a visit or a card each month. 
So if you can help in that ministry, we'd be glad for you to come and join us at 4. Uh, we do cards, phone calls, and visits to, to uh, people that we have that are shut-ins. And whenever we look at that list, I think right now we have about 21 members of our church that are shut-ins. So that, that is a ministry that, that needs volunteers. So if you can help with that, we'll meet today at 4. Is that it? Okay, thank you. I've got just a couple of things to uh, announce on top of that. Uh, We will be uh, having our Lenten lunch this week at uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church. That will be Wednesday at noon. And uh, we invite you to come and be a part of that. That's always a great blessing to to share with uh, brothers and sisters of other denominations here in town and uh, and worship together and uh, and, uh, uh, share a meal together. So we invite you to be at St. Paul's on Wednesday at noon, and also we are preparing for our extreme build that will be June the 7th through the 13th, and so if you would like to participate in that, please sign up on the the table as you you leave today, and um, you can go for any amount of time uh, during that week. You can go for a day. You can go for three days. You can go for the whole week, uh, just depending on your schedule and what what suits your, your schedule. However, we do need to know which days you will be there so we can uh, uh, arrange for the, the proper amount of hotel rooms and stuff. So if you would please uh, put that on there when you sign up as well. Um, and also, I see back with us Dorothy Parker. Glad to have you, Dorothy. It's been a while since you've been able to be here. So it's good to have you back with us. It's, it's good to share this time together. So I'm going to ask you now to lift yourselves up out of your seats and sing together, Love Lifted Me. <laughs>
Let us pray together. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, our Lord. We come not as strangers or foreigners, but we are here as your children. You have graciously accepted us into your family and embraced us with your warm love. And we thank you today for your faithfulness and your mercy and your grace. You're always there when we need you, Lord. You've never failed to fulfill your promises to us. In our times of trouble and when the road seemed long, you've been right there with us, helping us along the way. And we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. But most of all, we thank you for who and what you are. We want to tell you that we earnestly want to do your will and to fulfill your plans for us. We're available because we've surrendered our lives to you and we trust you enough to follow you wherever you lead us. Yes, we're all busy with the busyness of life. We have our jobs, we have our families, we have responsibilities, and we get involved in all kinds of things. Some of them are vitally important and some of them are only trivial. So help us, Lord. Help us to put first things first. Help us to keep our priorities straight. Help us to seek your kingdom first and your righteousness and let all the other things fall into their rightful places. We pray for the needs of our people today. We've all come with individual and very personal needs. Maybe nobody on earth knows about the struggles and burdens that we're facing, but you know. And you invite us to bring everything to you in prayer. So we reach out to you knowing that you're already reaching out to us. We ask you to meet our needs this morning and give us the assurance that you are there. And we pray for our community and those all around us. We pray for our church and those who love her. And we pray for the spiritual and practical support that we need to keep us moving in your direction. And God, we, we truly want to do that. We want to always be found at your coattails, following closely. Help us to always be faithful to that calling as you are always faithful to us. Bless our worship today. May it be pleasing to you as we praise your holy name. And may our lives be pleasing to you as we seek to obey your word and fulfill your will. Amen. Our responsive reading today is possibility. Fractured people we once were, cracked, broken, dried by the winds of the desert. Come, Lord Jesus, deliver us again from the parched places. Yours are the tears of the Spirit that leaves the dust. A church we have become, born in the wind and fire, not to be swept heavenward in a blaze of glory, but to walk beside you down the dusty road of this world. Come, Lord Jesus, show us our God in skin and bones. Yours is the breath of the Spirit that brought us to 
A resurrected people will be joyful, exuberant, risen, confident that your resurrection will restore what once was dead and is now alive. Come, Lord Jesus, move our feet lightly to the rhythm of your song. Yours is the movement of the Spirit that will dance with us. Only you can turn our death into life, our mourning into dancing, our depths of sorrow into wells, wellsprings of joy. Come, Lord Jesus, breathe your resurrection spirit into us once again. Scripture, Jeremiah chapter 30, or chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. That's right, the time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with Israel and Judah. I won't be, it won't be a repeat of the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant even though I did my part as their master, God's decree. This is the brand new covenant that I will make with Israel when the time comes. I will put my law within them, write it on their hearts, and be their God. And they will be my people. They will no longer go around setting up schools to teach each other about God. They'll know me firsthand, the dull and the bright, the smart and the slow. I'll wipe the slate clean for each of them. I'll forget they ever sinned. 
God's decree. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come on, boys and girls. Some stuff. It's box. But before we get to that, come on down. I, I want to share something else with you that I experienced last night. Um, I went out to the Fine Arts Center last night. Uh, I'm out there a lot these days, but I was off last night. I was just there as a guest enjoying things. And there were some people that were in our audience and congregation that were out there last night. And there were some people that were on stage out there last night that are in the back. Both Jake and Nathaniel did an outstanding job in the music band. Um, so if you all are not doing anything this afternoon or free about 2 o'clock, you can see an incredible performance. I had no idea Jake Dunham was an actor the way he is, a dancer and a singer. How about that? You learn something new every day. So thank you uh, guys for that and sharing your gifts. You all may want to be an actor or a dancer or a musician or a performer one of these days when you grow up too. But today we're going to talk about the amazing power of God's love. And to illustrate that, I've got some things here in this box that I just want to show you, okay? One of them actually isn't in the box. It's across here. Uh, so that's one of the things we're going to use today. And what do you think this is? Any ideas what that is? It's a magnet. Actually, this magnet is a very strong magnet, and you can put it on each side of your glass door and hang a wreath or something on it on the door. So it's a magnet. Now, what does a magnet do? What's a magnet do? Okay. You've all had a... You've probably got magnets on your refrigerator at home. What are, what are these? What's in there? Nails, screws. What happens if I get this magnet? Any, any ideas? What may happen? They may... stuck to it. They all stuck to that magnet. That's a pretty powerful magnet, isn't it? Look at that, right? They're all stuck on there. So in our uh, Bible lesson this morning, there, there was a lot, a lot of words in there. It talked about uh, God's love and he wants to be close to us. God wants to be close to us. Just like these nails are really close to that magnet. And that's called being God's people. We just sang a song about that. We want to be God's people. And Jesus told us that people would be drawn to God, just like these nails are drawn to that magnet. Um, and you know what draws us to God? Jesus and this cross right here draws us to God. Because he came on this earth to be human, just like Miss Jika told us in Sunday school lessons today. He walked this earth just like we did. He made mistakes. We make mistakes. But he came in flesh and blood so that we could live forever. Now, does this magnet ever let go of these nails? Can I shake them off? Nope. Cannot, can we? But as powerful as that is right there, God's love is even more powerful than that. And that's how close he is to us. He's even tighter and closer than that. Nibby and I were walking yesterday on the river walk, and we saw a magnet that was as big as that table in diameter and thick. 
God's love is stronger than that magnet with us. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's some powerful love. He never, ever, ever lets us go. Now, I want you to, I want you to do something with me to remember this story that we're talking about today. Take your finger, put it up. Okay? Now, a cross is two lines, right? It's an up and down vertical line, and it's a cross line, right? So let's do this. Let's make a cross on our forehead. Make a cross of our, on our forehead. And let's say, as we make that cross, God never lets me go. Can you say that? God never lets me go. That's right. He never, ever lets us go. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes, that God is always with us. So you can tell your parents, your grandparents, your friends this week, that God never, ever lets us go. Okay? Let's say a little prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these children, and thanks for the power of your love. And, and for never, ever letting us go. Sometimes we trip and stumble. We make mistakes and we fall, but you're always there for us. Thank you for that. And thank you for letting us start over again and again in 70 times 7. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I've got something else for you. We're going to take it back to Children's Church. There's some lifesavers just to remind you of the cross and God's love and power, okay? I'm going to give those to Miss Kelsey to take back. You're welcome.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for how many ways you love us. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be joyful in the days that you give us. Help us to be happy in our relationships with one another. We ask that you bless this offering. May it be multiplied. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Folks, I hope you appreciate our choir. Aren't they wonderful? What, there, what about a dozen of them up here? And the, and the sound that, that, that comes from them is just amazing. So thank you, choir. Excellent job. And I was handed this a moment ago, uh, an announcement that we neglected to make. The present future study group will be meeting today at 5 as well. So if you're a part of that, please come and be a part of that. Um, there was a, a national magazine for pastors uh, not too long ago that carried a, a rating system for sermons. And it was kind of like the rating system that you're familiar with for, for movies. Uh, the person who designed this rating system was a little bit cynical, but, but here's the rating system that he gave to various kinds of, of sermons. There were G-rated sermons, and that means that it's generally acceptable to everyone. It's full of inoffensive, childlike platitudes, and it's usually described as wonderful or marvelous by those who shake the hands of the pastor at the end of the service. And then there are um, sermons that are rated MC. This is for more mature congregations. At times, this sermon makes the gospel relevant to today's issues, and it may even contain some mild suggestions for change, often described as challenging or thought-provoking, though no one intends to actually take any action or change any attitudes. Then there is the R-rated sermon, and this is definitely restricted to those who are not upset by the truth. This sermon tells it like it is and threatens the comfortable. It is most often described as disturbing or controversial, which usually indicates that the pastor has an outside source of income since his or her job security is on the line there. (laughs) Just wait. I'm getting to the X-rated sermons. The X-rated sermon is positively limited to those who can handle explosive ideas. This sermon really socks it to them. And it is, this, it is the kind of sermon that landed Jeremiah in the well, got Amos run out of town, set things up for the stoning of Stephen, and is always described as shocking or even in poor taste. The pastor who preaches this sermon had better have his or her suitcase packed and his or her insurance, life insurance paid up. Well, according to this rating system, the prophet Jeremiah was definitely an X-rated pastor or X-rated preacher. And and, uh, more than any other prophet in history, Jeremiah suffered as a result of his preaching. People rarely wanted to listen to his sermons because all he ever talked about was bad news. As a matter of fact, at one point, even Jeremiah himself cried out and said, whenever I speak, I proclaim violence and destruction. Well, Jeremiah came from a family of priests, but God called him to be a prophet. He served God for more than 40 years. He proclaimed God's words during the reigns of three kings and witnessed his nation's destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. 
He was also called the weeping prophet because he also wrote the book of Lamentations after Jerusalem was destroyed and its people were carried off into exile. He was also a suffering prophet. He was persecuted by the kings. He was rejected by his own people because of his forceful condemnation of idolatry and and social injustice. Eventually, Jeremiah was killed in Egypt by his own countrymen who had fled there. But God called Jeremiah to tell it like it is to a people who had disregarded God's law. They rejected God's teachings and they suffered because of it. And he also suffered because of their rejection. And so, it is quite refreshing to come to today's reading of the Scripture from Jeremiah and find in these words that were read a few moments ago, no fireworks, no scolding, no words of condemnation, no words of judgment. In fact, Jeremiah's tone in these words that we read a few moments ago has changed significantly. You see, this passage was written during, during the time of Israel's exile. And this was a dark time in the history of Israel. Someone has said that the task of a prophet is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted or or the comfortable. And Jeremiah has already done his job very well of afflicting Israel when Israel was comfortable in their sins. But now it was time for Jeremiah to comfort Israel during their time of affliction. In fact, this section of Jeremiah is often called the book of consolation. And the the words are so beautiful and profound and they are so welcome to our ears just as they were to the ears of Jeremiah's audience. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Let's think about those moving words and those hopeful words for a few moments this morning. God is making a new covenant with God's people. Pastor Jeff Streit compares Israel's situation to a situation in our own land not uh, a few years ago. Some of you will probably remember when, when mortgage rates, the interest rates were up around 9 or 10%. But then interest rates went down to about half that or even lower. And what did people do? A whole lot of people went back to the bank and refinanced their homes. They asked the bank to make out a new contract with lower monthly payments. Well, Jeremiah is saying that God is making a new contract with the people of Israel. The terms are changing now. God is giving the people of Israel a chance 
to start all over again. And you know, that's the wonderful thing about God, isn't it? God is a God of second and third and fourth chances. One night in a worship service, a young woman felt the tug of God's Holy Spirit in her heart and she responded to God's call and accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. The young woman had a very rough past. She was involved in a lot of alcohol and drugs and prostitution. But the change in her life was evident. As time went on, she became a faithful member of that church and she became involved in in the ministry there, teaching young children. And, And it wasn't long before this thoroughly converted young woman caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. And that relationship began to grow and they began to to talk about wedding plans, and that's when the problems began. You see, about half the congregation didn't think that that woman with such a past as hers was suitable for the pastor's son. And so the church began to argue about the matter and talk about it, and and they decided to even have a meeting on the subject. And as people made their opinions known and tensions increased, the meeting kind of got out of hand and The young woman became very upset by all of the things that were being said about her past. And as she began to cry, the the pastor's son stood up to speak. He could not bear to see the pain that all of this was causing his bride-to-be. And this is what he said. He said, my fiancé's past is not what is on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of Christ to wash away our sin and make us new persons. So does he wash away sin or not? Well, that's a pretty powerful question, isn't it? Does Christ wash away our sins or not? If he doesn't, then we're all in a whole lot of trouble. But Jeremiah settled that question once and for all when God said to us through him, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. You see, God is the God of second chances. God had a contemptuous relationship with, with Israel and, and with all of humanity. But Israel was God's chosen people and they were to be a light unto the world. And in this passage, God even calls himself a husband to Israel. But, but Israel continually wanders away from that relationship and God has, has to keep bringing her back. But each time he does bring her back, Because you see, God loves her so much that he could not possibly leave her in her sin. A few years ago, John Grisham wrote a book called The Testament. It's a book in which the the key figure was a disgraced corporate lawyer named Nate O'Reilly. Nate is uh, plagued with alcoholism and drug abuse. And after two marriages, four detox programs and a serious bout with dengue fever, 
Nate finally acknowledges his need for God. So listen to this. Listen to how Grisham describes this transformation in Nate's life. With both hands, he clenched the back of the pew in front of him. He repeated his list of sins, mumbling softly every weakness and flaw and affliction and evil that plagued him. He confessed them all. In one long, glorious acknowledgement of failure, he laid himself bare before God. He held nothing back. He unloaded enough burdens to crush any three men. And when he finally finished, Nate had tears in his eyes. I'm sorry, he whispered to God. Please help me. As quickly as the fever had left his body, he felt the baggage leave his soul. With one gentle brush of his hand, of the hand, his slate had been wiped clean. That, my friends, is a fictionalized account of an experience that millions of people have experienced through the centuries since Christ came into this earth. They have known that their sins are forgiven. And because of that, they have found themselves made clean. And they have been able to make a new beginning. And folks... Here is the really good news for us today. You see, we all have a chance to start all over again too. Every one of us have that chance as well. A chance to start all over again. You see, our past is blotted out and a new covenant with God is possible. Pastor James Moore's father died when, in a car wreck when he was 13 years old. And tragically, James was not at home when that happened. He was away from home, and he read it in the newspapers before anyone was able to tell him about it. And when he saw the picture of their smashed-up car on the front page of the newspaper, and he read that his dad had died in that accident, he was immediately thrust into the shock, a shock numbness of grief. Strangely, one of the first thoughts was covered with guilt. You see, he remembered that some months before that at a family picnic, he had been showing off with a baseball and he threw a wild pitch and hit his father and broke his thumb. And so Jim felt bad about that. In his mind, he thought, what a terrible son I am. He had caused his, his dad great pain and he, and he lived with that, that guilt for months and And it weighed heavily upon him until finally he went to his pastor and he admitted those deep feelings of guilt about breaking his his father's thumb. And he said that he would never forget how his pastor handled that. His pastor was great, was so great, he said. You see, his pastor came from around his desk and he had tears in his own eyes and he sat down across from Jim. He said, now Jim, you listen to me. If your dad could come back to life for five minutes and be right here with us, and if he knew you were worried about that, what would he say to you? And Jim answered, he would tell me to quit worrying about it. And the pastor said, well, all right then. You quit worrying about that right now. Do you understand me? Yes, sir, said Jim. 
and he did. He knew that what this pastor was saying to him was that you're forgiven. Accept that forgiveness and make a new start with your life. And of course, those were the very words that Jim needed to hear that day. He could make a new beginning without all of that guilt that he was carrying around on his shoulders. And here's what we need to understand this morning. Christ has made a new covenant with us. Now I said a moment ago that a new covenant was um, with God is, is possible for us. But you know, it's not really a new covenant because Jeremiah told us about it thousands of years ago and Jesus made it possible over 2,000 years ago. You remember on, on the night when Jesus was betrayed? You remember those words that I utter every time we have the Lord's Supper? He took the cup and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, the covenant has already been made. It's already there. But many of us have not appropriated that covenant into our lives. God said, I will put my law in their minds and in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And folks, that's what happens when we welcome Christ into our lives. The Spirit of God bears witness to God's words and puts God's law into our minds and into our hearts. And it happens to us the very moment that we confess our sins, that we repent from those sins, and we invite Christ to make a home in our hearts. That's exactly what happens. And it can happen to you as well. William Willimon once visited his mother in California and attended church with her. That Sunday the pastor was away, so a guest speaker was invited to deliver the message, and his name was Chuck Colson. Now, some of you may remember that Chuck Colson was President Richard Nixon's hatchet man, and he was caught up in the infamous Watergate scandal. And for his illegal actions, this most trusted presidential advisor and former Marine officer was convicted on several counts of felony and stripped of his license to practice law and serve time in a federal prison. Well, Willimon's mother leaned over to her son before the service began and said, I didn't come here to listen to a jailbird breach. And Willimon responded, but... But he's had a conversion experience. He's given his life to Jesus. And her response was, that's what they all do when they come before the parole board. Well, Colson began his sermon by telling the congregation how different it was for him to be preaching before such a prestigious congregation as this. And knowing they had a TV ministry, knowing that millions of people were watching on TV as well. He said... "You." He said, you see, the, the congregation that he typically preached to consisted of murderers and rapists and thieves. That's who he usually preached to. He preached in prisons mostly. But then he shocked the congregation by asking this question. He said, do you know which group Jesus was more at home with? And then he went on to attack the congregation for their materialism, their greed, 
their insensitivity to the poor. Kind of sounds like Jeremiah, doesn't it? They don't want to hear that. Well, Willimon's mother turned to her son at the end of the sermon and said, I hope he's having a good time preaching here because he'll never be invited again. And you know, I don't know if Colson was ever invited back or not, but I do know that Chuck Colson is living proof that a person's life can be changed by the power of Christ. I did not always agree with some of the stands that Chuck Colson took, but I never questioned the authenticity of his conversion. God can change our lives. And God will change our lives if we allow God to do that. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, declares the Lord. I will put my heart in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the very least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. God is the God of second chances. So why don't you take this opportunity today to make a new start with the Lord? Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 300, Without Him. And we'll make this an offertory hymn. I'm not an offertory, an invitation hymn, a hymn of response as well. And we'd like to invite you. Yeah, we pass the plate again. <laughs> I've seen churches that do that. But we'll make this an opportunity for you to make another kind of offering to God. How's that? <laughs> and that is an offering of your life. You know what? We come to a place like this, and, and sometimes people don't come to a place like this precisely because they feel pretty lousy about their life. And for good reason. Because their life is out of control. You know what? God doesn't judge. God looks upon that life with compassion and with love and with a desire for that life to be put back on the right path. And that's possible for every single one of us if we allow it. So maybe today is a day for you to put your life on the path of God. No matter what you've done, your sins are remembered no more. That's how much God loves you. If you'd like to do that, we invite you to come as we sing together number 300 without him. Would you come?
May the God of peace make you holy through and through. May you be kept sound in spirit, in mind, and body, blameless until the coming of our Lord. He who calls you is utterly faithful, and he will finish what he has set out to do in your life and in our world. Amen. Amen. Amen.